Hello, hello, and welcome to the Downfield Shot, episode four. This is a podcast full of hot takes, analysis, outtakes, and bold predictions across all levels of the world of football. My name is Chase Gadapi, and I just want to start off by saying thank you so much to everybody taking time out of their day to listen to this podcast. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, and now on Apple Podcasts. But wherever you're listening to, thank you so much for the ton of support. And make sure you guys like, follow, and share, and be sending in your thoughts every single day. Talk about whatever you guys want to as always, I'm going to link the profiles at the end of this episode. Make sure you guys check those out. And back with me today is Matthew Feldick. How are you doing? Um, doing great. Uh, awesome day so far. All I had today was uh, had a guitar class to get to do this podcast with you. And we'll be sipping a little pre to get a little lift in. So that'll be sweet. Always, man's always lifting. Yeah, so today was me a little bit. We're just going to talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to kind of go everywhere. We're going to talk about Lamar Jackson, FSU coaching change, and how fast Tyreek Hill actually is. I mean, so fast. Yeah, so let's go ahead and dive right in. All right, so let's start off with some news. 150 years ago, yesterday, Rutgers and his Princeton neighbor played the very first game of college football on November 6, 1869, which they played on a plot of ground that's now Rutgers Gymnasium, which is in, in New Jersey, and Rutgers won that game 6-4. to four. Just kind of a cool little piece of history. Just thought, thought throw that out, especially with this year being the 150th year of college football. Okay, PJ Fleck. This this is this this is your homeboy right here. This is your hometown hometown head coach. He agreed to a seven year contract deal through twenty twenty six. The school announced on Tuesday. Fleck's new deal, which is now sixty five percent guaranteed, starts at four point six million in twenty twenty, an increase in one million with a ten million buyout if he leaves after this season, and the buyout drops to four point five million at the next season, three million, and so on and so forth through twenty twenty two. Give me your thoughts. Um, they're basically saying here's the program, run with it, do whatever the heck you want to do, which I can see why. I can see why he's 38. Um, but like the part that kind of surprised me is like I don't know, last year they were seven and six. Yeah. Yeah, they beat a good Wisconsin team, but they're seven and six. I get it. You know, they're eight and zero this year off to a hot start. They're like, we don't want them going anywhere else. Like I don't know, like a Florida State maybe for example, because there's like eh, he's a potential for that. But after giving him this and him accepting this, really just locks him in. And it the the fact that they're eight and zero helps. But again, like. Same argument. Who the heck have they played yet? I mean, I, I think it's a great idea for Minnesota just because of with, obviously, the FSU vacancy job, possibly the USC job. Um, Flex, one of those dudes that say he's young, he's bright-minded, he's got some pretty big recruits coming in. He's Minnesota, to me, has always been on the brink of being good. They've just never been able to go over that hump. And I think now that they've started to go over that hump, especially with the recruits they're bringing in and the, the, young, the young quarterbacks, the young wide receivers, I think, like you said, Minnesota basically said, here, Coach Fleck, here's your program. You do whatever you want. We're going to give you the money. You go for it. Now, yes, there's been some stories about how he's – not really done that in the best way possible. We'll talk about that later. But he's a young head coach, and he's starting to get the ball rolling up there. And I think it's a – to me, it's a great a great choice for the Gophers and for them to, as they move on, saying, you're our dude, here we go. Especially with him being only 38. I, I agree with that. All right. President Trump to attend the Bama-LSU game this Saturday. The Bama student vice – I think he was the vice president or student president of, like, the, the student program at Bama said, we want to make sure President Trump has the best – visit to Brian Denning on Saturday. 
I, I think that's a really cool opportunity. Like, a big game like that, one versus two, bam, LSU, like, that just screams, like, America. Like, like <laughs> America's football right there. <laughs> America's game of the week is me, Bama, LSU, you yeah, heard it here. Exactly. Regardless of, like, who the president is, like, that just screams America. So yeah. I think that's a pretty cool I mean, it, it, It's cool to see President Trump going to a bunch of different sports. Yeah, I think he's been to three sporting events in the past month, which is pretty cool to see him getting involved. And like, obviously, he's going to go to a, he's going to go to the military game. He's going to go to places like that, the Super Bowl, places like that. But to him to go to like a regular season college football game, especially with the height that this game is doing, to me, that's that that's pretty cool. When he could be doing a lot more stuff, but we'll see. All right, Kansas City and Minnesota. On Sunday, Damian Williams had an incredible 91-yard touchdown run. The Chiefs were down 16 to 10, about less than midway through the third quarter. The win, the win was capped off by a game-winning field goal. But then here's the here's the important part. According to some ESPN stat analyst, Tyreek Hill was running to catch up to. I'm pretty sure you've seen this video. Everyone's seen this video. Damian Williams busts out this giant long run. Tyreek Hill was standing still when. Tyreek Hill and Damian Williams were like side by side. Tyreek Hill is standing still. Damian Williams is almost at his full speed, breaking away. Tyreek Hill then catches up to Damian Williams, passes Damian Williams, and scores first, and they celebrate in the end zone. Nobody, nobody really thought about it at the start, but then they kept replaying, and they're like, holy shorts, this dude's fast. So according to stats, he was running at 22.6 miles per hour to catch him, which is the sixth fastest max speed for any player this course of the season. But what to me is more impressive is not, not the top speed. The fact that he was standing still when they were side by side, ready to go, like to me, that's just like, how do you how, how do you guard someone like that? Yeah, and and the fact that he was standing still, and Damian Williams run up was like up the middle, relatively up the middle of the field, and Tyree kills over here has to take an angle also to catch up to him. Like, and I, I was I'm a Vikings fan, so I was actually watching this game, and I'm looking at this, I'm like, <laughs> oh great, you know, whatever, long touchdown run, sick. But then I see Tyree kill number ten just flying. Coming from out of the screen into the screen, just flying, yeah. gives him a high five as he runs by. And, I mean, uh, you almost yeah. can't you almost can't be mad at that as a Viking fan. You're just like, wow, that's really impressive. Yeah. Like, <laughs> shout out to that. That's cool. All right, let's go ahead and talk about this uh, pass interference challenge rule that just came out this year. The rule was adopted after officials missed a blatant penalty during an NFC Championship game last season. Saints Rams. We all saw it. Everyone knows it was a pass interference. Like, you can't argue against that. If you want to argue against that, email me. We'll find a place. We'll argue. That's fine. But to me, this is, and this is what was kind of cool. So, co- uh, former coach made a, made a statement, and this, and this is what he said. He said, please, NFL, do us a favor and don't let the coaches challenge any more pass interference calls. He tweeted this along with a photo of the New York Giants-Dallas Cowboys game on Monday night, which was a pretty much pass interference or non-call. It's just they, they it, it wasn't called, and they, they did it. And he went on by saying, you're causing teams to lose timeouts, making your officiating department look inept, and making us fans feel stupid, like we don't know the meaning of a clear, obvious, and significant pass interference. Other people have spoken out about this, Charles Woodson, Pat McAfee, and, I mean, you love Pat McAfee, and you love Charles Woodson, and they're speaking out about this. Do you think... The NFL should keep allowing coaches to call pass or challenge pass interference calls. Um, like going back to the Saints and Rams game, like that's really kind of a big part of it. That's been that really made the uh, rule come into existence. And pass interference, like like you said, like who even really knows what pass interference is? Like the NFL's definition of pass interference is a foul that occurs when a player interferes with an eligible receiver's ability to make a fair attempt to catch a forward pass. When a defensive player catches a forward pass, then it's interception and the team gains possession of the ball, obviously. So then you go back to the point, and you, you see it every every single college football game. There's always questionable calls about 
uh, pass interferences. And I understand it's tough as a ref. You know, everything's happening full speed. But, man, like, this is... This is yeah, crazy. and then especially with, like, the Raiders, like, he's now 0 for 4 on calling pass, which, which is kind of like he's losing timeout four times. He's, like, losing plays. Like, I, to me, I don't think you should be allowed to call pass interference challenges because then that puts more... I mean, like... Like Tony, Dun- like Tony Dungy said, like you're making people feel stupid. You're making people question what is a pass interference and what is not a pass interference, and you're also putting more more stress on the on the officials because now they have if they have to make the correct call. Now, if they don't make the correct call, they can get challenged for it. If they get overturned, now now it's bad on them. Like they're people too. Let them like they're getting paid high amounts of money. Let them make the own calls that they want to make. And I mean, to me, that's just kind of. That's just kind of like, you got, you got to let him do that. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. All right, so moving on. Here's our quote for the day. Punishment is what you do to someone. Discipline is what you do for someone. Zig Ziglar. Interesting. Where did you, you find that one? Footballscoop.com. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of good. They put out some every day, and that was the that was the quote that stuck with me. This thing things came out on Tuesday. Punishment is what you do to someone. Discipline is what you do for someone. I like that. All right, moving on to segment two with the playoff rankings. Let's talk about this. For the first initial college football playoff rankings came out uh, two days ago, maybe. And here, I'm just going to read them off real quick. You ready? Ohio State 1, LSU 2, Alabama 3, Penn State 4, Clemson at 5, Georgia at 6, Oregon at 7, Utah at 8, Oklahoma at 9, and rounding off the top 10 is number 10, Florida at 7 and 2. Initial thoughts as before we get into more specifics. Was a little surprised at first to see Ohio State at the top. Not not like a knock at him or anything. Just you know, it's been Bama the whole year, LSU the whole year, Clemson up there the whole year, and then to see something like that and something I read that the argument for Ohio State being there was their strength of schedule, um, and a reason for Clemson not being in it was knocking their strength of schedule because like. You know, ACC's solid, but, like, Florida State's down this year, who's a competitor in that, but not this year, obviously. So it really kind of – I was a little bit surprised, but I can see why, basically. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I understand. And, like, I remember on the there, – there were some podcasts I was listening to earlier, and they kind of said, like – Ohio State is a lock at number one in the in the college football playoffs. They're not in the AP for a reason, which we'll talk about that in a second. But Ohio State is number one in the college football playoff rankings for a reason, because yes, they have beaten two teams, a, two, a number ranked number seventeen ranked Cincinnati and seven two Indiana, and they, and they beat Wisconsin when when Wisconsin was doing pretty well. And I mean now they've fallen off, and I understand you can make that make that argument, but Ohio State's beaten some pretty, pretty some pretty decent teams, right? They beat they beat a ranked team. But they've beat them heavily. Their point differential is like unreal compared to LSU. And I understand LSU has beaten four ranked teams so far, which they beat four ranked teams that are ranked higher at the time of play. But those games were close. And yes, they are ranked teams, so it should be close. But Ohio State's done it on a different level. Ohio State's done it to where they've not even put a question as, are they going to win? Yes, they're going to win. How much are they, and it's not even a question of, are they going to win? Now it becomes a question of how much are they going to win by? And especially with Ohio State being able to play Penn State and Ohio State playing some, other, some, of, those, some of those other teams, like they have a pretty good chance of locking in that number one spot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I was reading a little bit about Dabo Sweeney when he found out about it. He was uh, eating birthday cake with his mom and he found out about it and he was really just kind of like, what else do we have? What else do we have to do? Because like it, it kind of like that like 
uh, UCF thing, like they hadn't lost, and it's like, you know, what more can we do but mm-hmm. to get us a chance? I understand, exactly. you know, but yeah. Yeah, well, so we'll, I mean, we'll see what happens to that. Dabo Sweeney kind of reacted to this, and he was not happy. He was not happy. So he was saying, I wouldn't say they give trophies, any trophies after nine games last time I checked. Thank goodness, right? They don't give trophies after nine games. It's all good. We're just honored to be one of those teams that has a chance. We'll, we'll scrape and claw to win the games. But when you watch the video, I mean, he's he was mad. He was extremely mad that they were number five, which, again, strength of schedule, they're sitting at five. And I understand who's ahead of them with LSU, Alabama, and Penn State have been played a pretty good schedule. But... I mean, I had a buddy that made a very good point. Everyone's going to piss Clemson off. With, when and if Clemson gets in, with because if, if Alabama loses the game, LSU loses the game, Penn State loses the game, Clemson's in because Clemson's going to be undefeated. right? You're going to make Clemson mad. And we all saw how that went last, last day with them absolutely putting Alabama back on the bus when they shouldn't even been in the game. <laughs> but in my opinion, you're going to make Clemson mad, which is a good thing because it's a fun team to watch when, when, when Clemson's firing at all cylinders. Watching them play is unreal. Watching them play to the highest of their ability with with uh, Trevor Lawrence and ETN and Justin Ross playing with, the, with how they play, like it's just going to be unreal. Um, let me ask you a question. What do you think about Oregon? Oregon being 8-1, and one, coming out number 7 in the first playoff ring. Do you think they have a chance at all? I mean, if if, if if things go south and they do make it in, do you think Oregon State has a chance against an Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, Penn State team? Uh, just the fact that, like, LSU is playing Bama. So, like, okay, yeah. so my question my question is kind of going with the Oregon thing. Like, LSU, say LSU wins. Mm-hmm. Alabama loses. It's a solid game. Seven within seven points or something. Yeah. Does that put Alabama out of the top four? Like, what does that do? Does that put them at four? Who does that kick out then? Or like, you know? yeah, that that. So the, the the I mean, we'll talk about it next week because we'll be absolutely the game will have happened. I don't see with the way Clemson and Penn State and Ohio State are playing, and then especially with like a Oklahoma at seven and one, Oregon at eight and one. If one of the top three teams in this playoff so Ohio State LSU Alabama loses do you let them out and let someone else who's consistently won in with it being an Alabama or an LSU team I, I mean the committee has a tough job I don't I'm glad I'm not in their spot because I don't want to be I don't, don't be ragged on like like we're ragging on these guys right now but I mean it'll be interesting to see with especially because one of them one of them is going to have to lose and then what happens if like if if, if Ohio State loses to a Penn State mm-hmm, or to exactly. a good team like that? Do you kick them out for losing? Exactly. They're, what is really unique about the college playoff at this point is um, the first team plays the four team, and the, they all four, top four, they play each other in some way. Yeah. So this could look a lot different come the end of the year than it looks right now, which yeah. is really interesting. makes it really cool this year. And it's interesting because when you look at the power index, they have Ohio State at one with a 57% chance to win out. Alabama at two with a 30. This is the interesting part. Alabama comes in at two with a 31% chance to win out. LSU is at four with a 12% chance to win out. So according to the power index, with how they've played this year, they have Alabama going to win the LSU game. And then Clemson comes in at three with a 78%. The ACC's a joke this year with them having almost an 80% chance to win out. Um, To me... The power index. The power index has been. I, I. I think we should try to the power index for the for the playoff committee, but that's a different talk. But it'll be interesting to see what happens, especially with Ohio State having fifty seven percent chance to win out, 
and then with the Alabama LSU game. So let me ask you this: Do you think the Alabama LSU game that is gonna whoever wins that game wins or is gonna play in the national championship? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think, man. So then it kind of goes to the point like, if one of those loses, does that let Clemson or Georgia or Oregon sneak in? You know, yeah. how does that go? But. It, that's tough, you know. Being like the second, first team, uh, ranked team all season, Bama, you get put down a second, you lose, and everybody knows Alabama. Like, you just yeah. know, you just know. They're like, just is there yeah. is it a chance to get kicked out of the top four and someone? You know, I, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, we'll see. I mean, it's, that that game on Saturday is going to determine a lot. Yep. Like, and because no, I don't think anybody else plays that week yeah. that that weekend either. So all eyes are going to be on that game. So we're going to see. That game on prime time, what's going to happen with the rest of the season? Yeah, because so. Ohio State plays Maryland, that's and a, Maryland's that's not dub. good, so they will most likely stick out one. Yeah, Penn State, because they don't play Penn State till the the week after, which mm-hmm. will be that'll be interesting. Um, and Penn State playing Minnesota this weekend, like as much as that, I want Minnesota to win, they're not going to win. That's another big. Penn yeah, State's exactly. going to roll, mm-hmm. so we'll see. All right, moving on to the NFL. Is Lamar Jackson the new face of quarterbacks in the NFL? With him taking over Tom Brady on Sunday night, thoughts, initial thoughts? Um, really, It was a really cool game just to kind of see him come in, young quarterback, different kind of style of quarterback, and beat a top-ranked Patriots defense um, in Foxborough, which was it in New England or is it? Yeah, it was in, yeah. No, it, no, it was in Baltimore. Yeah, and so just – and Bill Belichick, who's really just a defensive – just genius, honestly. Just preparation for teams is unbelievable. Granted, they haven't really played that many people this year. It's still it's it's New England, you know. Mm-hmm. And Lamar Jackson, because like you look back at it, and like quarterbacks kind of like Lamar Jackson, like a like a Manziel or RG three, and even Cam Newton's kind of been like subpar as a year. Like you know, quarterbacks more athletic quarterbacks, you know, like to run around and stuff, so forth. But like even like. When Lamar Jackson in the draft and everyone's talking like, oh, he might be. He's a be, running back. He's a running exactly, back. Exactly, exactly. Um, you hear some of that and you're like, oh, you know, yeah, kind of in a way because all these quarterbacks. No one's really, no one's done this before. Yeah. No one's been. And been successful in the NFL Exactly. With it. No one's, for a long amount of time. You know, you can say RG3 did it for a year. Cam Newton did it for a couple years, you know, back when he was like MVP status. But really he's fallen off. And it's. It'll be really interesting to see where Lamar can take this the next like four or five years. If he can keep doing this for that period amount of time, I think that really, really does change. And you know, there'll always be a spot for the you know the pocket passer, Tom Brady. Yeah, and exactly. Back. And like when when you look at this as a landscape of the of of the NFL right now, I'm not saying you have a lot of like old guys. We have a lot of guys that are just kind of like. They're, okay, yes, they're elite because they're in the NFL. I'm not taking anything away from them. But I'm saying they're on the level of where if they don't continue to play, they're going to they're, they're gonna be dropped down. Like, let's, like, when you look at who's coming out in the NFL draft this year, Tua, number one, Joe Burrow, number two, Jake Fromm, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, those are guys that, yes, they can throw the ball incredibly well. We have, we have seen that. You guys have seen that. But... They're in a they're in a era of the offense. So the offense is changing now. The RPO stuff, and I understand RPO is overrated. No, it's not. No, like no, it's not. Look at Alabama. Look at LSU. Look at Jalen Hurts and what he's doing at Oklahoma. Look at what Lamar Jackson did on Sunday to beat the New England Patriots, who everybody projected to go sixteen and zero and win and walk in the Super Bowl. To me, what like what they're doing right now is they're is the young quarterbacks. So young young, I mean, coming out this year. 
or they're just now juniors or just now redshirt sophomores. They're changing the landscape of the offensive era of football, and they're bringing it to the NFL. To me, right now, CBS Sports has Joe Burrow going to be going number one overall to the Bengals. Okay, well, when you put Joe Burrow in the NFL, you're not you're going to use his skill set. We all see we all see what Joe what Joe Brady did with him at LSU, change the offense around Joe Burrow. Well, look at what Joe what LSU is doing now. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to the point. Like, there's when you think about it, there's a lot of elite quarterbacks, quote unquote, that are older, like. Brady, Rodgers, Breeze, Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, Eli Manning, Stafford, um, Andrew Luck left the league. Joe Flacco's older. Um, you know, Andy Dalton's older. You know, yeah. like there, the next couple of years, there's going to be a lot of new quarterbacks, which I think is going to be really, really cool for the NFL. And then it, it'd also be cool to see even some of those like, um, like Joe Burrow, Tua, Justin, like even if they wait a year behind some of these like quarterbacks that are playing right now. Like we all know that, like yes, they're not gonna, but a lot of more aren't gonna start right away. But at the same, just fine. But the, like, just fine, especially with the NFL. But at the same time, like to me, Lamar is leading a new era of the offense in the NFL. And I think when you look at what he's doing and how they consider, like they put up, I think they put thirty-seven yep. mm-hmm. against the Pats. Mm-hmm. Almost forty points on the Pat in the NFL is unheard of. To do it against an elite defense is unheard of as well. So to me, Lamar Jackson, you're doing great time, big things, and just lead, just lead, lead a new era of the of, yep. of football. There'll be a lot of openings for yep. quarterback positions in the NFL. All right, let's go back to the Heisman watch. This is something that'll be. I don't know if it'll be a really a discussion, but just kind of talk about it real quick. So ESPN released their Heisman spot: Joe Burrow at number one, Chase Young at number two. Let's talk about Chase Young real quick. Does Chase Young deserve to be number two? I'm going to say absolutely. I think he does. Um, with Tua kind of still being obviously really good, Jalen Hurts losing, that kind of opened up a like that second spot. I don't think Joe Burrow obviously did anything to lose that number one spot. Yeah, no. So, But I think, I mean, Chase Young has 13 and a half sacks, which in college is a lot. Like, that is a lot of sacks in college. Through only, what, nine game, eight, nine games? Like, that's incredible. Um, 15 tackles for loss, like, and he, the fact that he's literally making a difference every single play that the offensive uh, snaps the ball. Like, there's a difference that Chase Young is making on every single play. It's like, what more? What more as a defender can you do to win the Heisman? Is it basically nowadays like you literally can't win the Heisman as a defender? Like, it is literally, it's literally the best quarterback. You know what his past been? I get, you know, there's been running backs, but. The past five years, it's been who's the best quarterback wins the Heisman. Yeah. So, like, does he even? What more does he have to do? And can he? Does he even have a chance? Like, the dude gets twenty five sacks. Say, does he win? Like, can he win? See, and I, we and we we talk about this episode one or two with does being like the past Heisman Trophy winners. What they, they've been quarterbacks mm-hmm. and. They're they're just elite players, like a, kind of more electric players than yeah. So like when even when you look at like Lamar Jackson, he won it. They weren't Louisville wasn't in the playoffs. They weren't competing for the national title, and but but a player like Lamar won the Heisman. Mm-hmm. So then when you look at Ohio State, who pre- presumably is going to be in the playoffs, possibly in the national title game, he's going to be on a big stage. Does that help him at all? Yes. Do I think it helps him a lot? Heck yes. Do I think he's going to have to compete with a quarterback of Joe Burrow or Jalen Hurts or Tua? Yes. Is he going to struggle against a quarterback-heavy Heisman finalist? Yes, obviously. 
But to me, if Chase Young keeps on the track that he's on, or he makes big-time plays against Penn State, or he makes big-time plays against those other teams in the playoffs, I think it's almost harder to not give him the trophy then. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree, because he's going to have a chance to play these, these some of these best offenses yeah. you know, in big games, potentially, probably the college football playoff. He's got a big game against Penn State. Big games in college football playoff, assuming that that's where they end up. So the dude's going to have the spotlight. He's going to have a chance. So if he balls out and the other guys you don't know, play, okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think you have to give it to him almost, you know. I, yeah, I would. I would love to see a defensive player win the Heisman just to change it up a little bit. Obviously, I'm a quarterback. I think quarterbacks should always be on the highest standpoint. I'm a little bit biased, but with the way Chase Young has been playing and the way I think it's really hard to deny him us mm-hmm. like a championship trophy, especially in the level that he's playing. We yeah. we haven't seen someone like him like like that in a while. Don't get me wrong. He's got to absolutely like ball out. Oh, like he's got a, a especially he's got a chip on his shoulder, you know, being a DN. He's got a ball out where I think someone like a Joe Burrow doesn't have to go crazy. He has to play well, really well, but he doesn't have to go nuts. Exactly, exactly. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the FSU head coach position that's now open. All right, first of all, let me set the record straight and the timeline straight. On Sunday, following a loss to Miami, which, let's just be honest, FSU, FSU did not look good. Plays calls were weird. QB play was sloppy. There's a couple of, like, I think they tried, they tried to run a flea flicker that went for, like, 18 <laughs> yards. He ended up breaking a tackle. Undisciplined players just all over did not look good for FSU. On Sunday afternoon later that day, reports floated around the, and the report that Willie Taggart was out of a job at FSU. And this was this was significant because he received an eighteen million dollar buyout, which I was shocked by. First of all, just for someone to say, "Hey, you're fired." Yes, that sucks. With all due respect to FSU and Willie Taggart, yes, that's terrible. But the athletic director said, "Hey, dude, sorry, you're out of a job. Here's eighteen million dollars," which is shady when you look at like how they gave you eighteen million dollars. Because I mean, there's been some reports that FSU has been struggling with money that. There were some there were some stuff that were saying private bo- booster donations have had been made to get Willie, Willie Taggart out, which is sketchy in itself. We'll talk about that. Here's Willie Taggart's statement. Obviously, I'm disappointed in the decision today, as I believe our future is bright at Florida State, Taggart said. Building a program and culture takes time, and I regret that we will not have the opportunity to continue to coach these incredible young men. I want to thank, first and foremost, our student-athletes who never stopped believing in who deserve to find success. I want to also thank our coaches, our staff, who believed in what we were building among the finest men and women in our profession. Finally, I want to thank the Florida State faithful for their support as we work towards building a program that they could be proud of. On my behalf, my family and I, and we wish Florida State nothing but the best and we'll be cheering on the Seminoles the rest of the way. Which, that's that's just pure respect from Willie Taggart. Like, congratulations. Like, I'm sorry, dude, that you got out of the job, but the way that he handled this whole situation was just unreal. But the thing I want to talk about is who's going to be the next head coach at FSU? Yep. With the tradition and stuff, like, who's who's your early candidate for the head coaching job at Florida State? Yeah, uh, when you when – you, I was actually just, like, chilling in my room, and you brought this out to me, and you said 18 mil. I was like, $18 million? Like – from his shoes, like as a college coach, bro. yeah. Can you be that mad? Like, can you be that bad? I don't know. Obviously, it'd be frustrating, but like, yeah. you get, literally getting handed eighteen mil. Um, so some names out there: there, Bob Suits, Mike Stoops, um, Matt Campbell, Joe Brady. What he's done at LSU this year, kind of bring it up. Um, PJ Fleck, we talked about a little bit. Man, eh, there's a chance there, but now <laughs> not probably he's not. Done. Um, so and then like the interesting thing, um. Coach Brown from who has been featured on. Okay, yeah, we'll yeah we'll get to him in a second, but I just want to kind of outline Bob Stoops. He was the head. He was immediately as they were like, all right, FSU's out of a job. Bob Stoops, 
which he's now the coach of the Dallas and the, and the new XFL League. But Kirk Herbstreit came out and reported that he had personally talked to Coach Stoops, and Stoops denied the reports. He's not interested. Mike Stoops was asked. He's the Kentucky head coach. He was asked, "Hey, do you want to? What do you think about the FSU job?" And he reported, "No, nah, I'm 100% focused on t- being Tennessee this weekend. We'll talk about it out there. Off the guys want to talk about in season." Odell Haggins. This to me, so he's the interim head coach for the Knowles following Taggart's release. Why not let him stay at the head coaching job? From what I read, he I think he's been there for over over 20, 20 something years as a as a assistant coach for. He played at FSU. He's an FSU man. He's done. I think he's like three and zero in interim jobs. If I could, I'm not right or wrong. To me, like FSU really has nothing, nothing to lose at this point. Why not let somebody that's been there forever do for three or four years until you can signif- like lock down a big time head coach? But like when like obviously he's been there for a long time and he's been through like the ups and downs and especially the ups. You know, like the Jameis Winston years where they were in the national championship, yeah. winning the national champ. You know, he's been there. He knows. He knows how to be, get there. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, why not? I mean, they, they, I mean, they won't because they've just they've talked about getting a new getting a new head coach. I mean, if they follow LSU's job and let Coach Coach Oak fall in the interim, and now they're playing for a national title. Possibly, why not let someone like why not why not let someone like Odell come in and just stay where you're at? But now you have a head coaching job. But oh well, to me. Mike Mike Norvell of Memphis, he's probably my front runner for FSU. He's obviously he has Memphis being in possibly in the New Year's Six Day Bowl, and he's guaranteed his fourth straight season of at least eight wins for the for the Memphis Tigers. He's done some pretty good stuff, and with the offense that he's run, I don't know, maybe maybe possibly the other one could be Josh Heupel of UCF. I mean, if you can't get Bob Stoops or Mike Stoops. I mean, possibly Bob Stoops. Why not go get his old quarterback? Hypo's excellent offensive mind. We always see that at UCF. Um, he's 19 and three under his tenure at UCF, but he's also been around enough teams, big name teams, to know what he's doing at a Power Five school like FSU, Oklahoma, Arizona, Missouri. And let's be honest, Hypo's been in UCF, and UCF's gotten in the middle of Florida. Florida's got some big time athletes down there. Why not? Why not go over to FSU and start start to do a little bit? Yeah, um, I th- I think it'd be a really cool opportunity because I mean, being like he's kind of had that chip on his shoulder, you know, being at UCF, you know, and he's kind of been one of the guys who's been like, you know, what more, what more can we do to like be be international champion, being a college football playoff, and going somewhere like Florida State, which has um, some more credibility, obviously, than UCF. You know, there's there's maybe a chance to do so. So yeah. All right, your boy. Former head coach Jason Brown of Indian of Independence Community College. We all see him on Last Chance U, and there's some controversy and whatever. He there is a statement on FSU Seminoles News Twitter report. They said sources confirm Florida State is in talks with former Independence Community College head coach Jason Brown about becoming the next head coach at FSU. Then uh, it went everywhere. Everyone's like, "No way!" Like, would he really? Give me your thoughts real quick. Um, I this is kind of the point. Like you, we talked about this a little bit, you know, a couple days ago. And you, your big thing was, you know, coach how you coach. You're he's from Compton, California. So and he knows kind of he knows how to deal knows, with the kids exact, at Florida State. Let's exactly. just put it out he, there. He knows how to, and so I think he'd be really good at that side. And you, you kind of touched on, you know, if Florida State could be like, you know what, here we're gonna let you do this, but don't do anything stupid, basically. Yeah, like kind of like saying like everybody wants to see the results; they don't want to see how it's done. Yep. So with we all obviously we saw the in depth stuff from Last Chance U. 
because you'd be at a power five school, you would have to change some of that just because of media and talks like that. But to me, I think it's a great idea. But anyway, this is what this is what Jason Brown tweeted after that report came out. He goes, they are too scared to hire someone like me at FSU football. <laughs> at FSU football would be loaded overnight and everyone would be mad. They would go after million dollar guys who underperform and can't relate with today's kids. Someday they may understand guys like me and who they are need. Hashtag scared money don't make money. <laughs> Straight uh, up, Coach Brown. <laughs> Straight up. The the thing is, is I would not have expected any other kind of tweet from him. I think it's super cool. I mean, I think there's a, I think there's a lot of people who kind of want to see it. Maybe probably people outside of Florida State. Maybe some people in Florida State. I mean, I'd like to see it happen. Why not? Give them a chance. Look where your program's at right now. Look where it was a couple years ago, and look where it is now. Just give him a chance. Change to, it up like, a little what, bit. What give him a chance. To, yeah. He's doing he's doing some pretty big time stuff. He brought a bunch of Division One recruits into middle of Kansas. Yeah. Why not do go somewhere like sunny Florida with a historic Florida State program? Exactly. Who knows? But then Coach Brown came out and he quoted Kirk Herbstreit's tweet. He said when Kirk Herbstreit tweeted like I'm I just talked with Coach Stoops and he's not in the report for FCU's job. He quoted Coach Brown quoted and said although you didn't talk to me I'm not a candidate either. So he kind of shut those down. But I don't know. Maybe, possibly, who knows? We'll see. All right, I just want to take a second and say thank you to the Nutrition Spot Minnesota for coming in and sending in some questions. They, their, their question, real quick, we'll answer, we'll answer what they said. What does the BU football team do for recovery after workouts? Um, uh, usually we do, uh, so after we do our like main bulk of the lifting, a lot of dudes, we do a little, you know, like ab circuit, then we do a little like leg circuit at the end. And a lot of dudes, you know, they we get back to the locker room, you know, it's like 7.45 a.m., 8 a.m. And, and you know, they're trying to get, you know, a lot of dudes don't have protein, some some are trying to. But that's the cool thing. Um, so Nutrition Bot actually has kind of reached out and I think it's a super cool opportunity for a lot of dudes to get in there. You gotta get right after, you know, there's no point of working out and tearing your body down if you can't rebuild it so yeah and then the, the nutrition spot has done a lot of stuff at bethel and, ha- and helped us a lot especially me a lot they've 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 helped me and they've, they've coached me through a lot of stuff they gave me some protein and some stuff and they're just a they're, they're just a great a great company a great great little like shake and tea spot and they, and they know what they're talking about make sure you guys go check them out they're on there on lexington avenue up, up here in minnesota um Again, shout out to the Nutrition Spot. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. You guys are doing all stuff. And we're going to make sure we keep giving you guys all the credit, all the support you guys need. Make sure you guys go check check them out. Incredibly cheap. They're great, great options for you if you want want to stay healthy, start getting healthy, keep being healthy. Make sure you guys go, go go and check those out. All right, real quick. Here's the last part of our podcast. Let's do, let's do some predictions for this weekend. So let's start off tomorrow night, Friday. UCF at Tulsa, six o'clock. ESPN two. Who do you got? UCF man. UCF train straight up. Hoopla, Hoopla's not. Yep. Hoopla's gonna keep it rolling. Washington at Oregon State, nine thirty out west. Dogs. Really. Yep. Really interesting. Mm-hmm. Number one, Ohio. The now number one team, Ohio State. Maryland comes in and plays, 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 plays. Hopefully, the underdog. Who do you got? That's gonna. That's just. Yeah, Ohio State's just gonna roll. Just absolutely yeah, roll. Yeah. You got over under forty-five, fifty. Ah, See, like 35, 40. Over under yeah. thirty-five. Okay, straight up. Number four, Penn State at number seventeen, Minnesota. Should have been college game day. This should have been college game day. 
Oh, well, whatever. Pit number four, Penn State at Minnesota. Who do you got? I'm going to go Penn State. I think there's a, there is a chance where this game, this could scare Penn State a little bit. Just Minnesota, Not the start, Minnesota's possibly, a little yeah. bit of a scary team. You know, who knows what could happen, but I'm going to take Penn State. I think it'll be a good game. Should it have been college game day? Probably. Yes. It's not. Fleck lobbied oh, well. hard for it. Oh, well. That's okay. But We're not mad. Yeah. Whatever. Penn State. Penn State's going to come out with that one. Number 10, Florida. Looking to bounce back after the loss to Georgia. Vanderbilt comes in to the swamp noon on ESPN. Who do you got? Good luck, Vanderbilt. Uh, Florida's going to take this one. Not, yeah, easily. Not, yeah. Number 12, Baylor. Undefeated. All, they had a scare against West Virginia, but they able to win. Number 12, Baylor goes to TCU, noon, FS1, who you got? Might be a little bit better game than you might think of right at the bat. I don't mind TCU in this one, honestly. Don't mind TCU in this one, so. Yeah. A little upset, but. All right, speaking about Florida State, Florida State goes to Boston College on noon. Who you got? Boston College. Really? Yep. Really? Watch. I mean, but we just Watch. talked about we just talked about Odell Haggins being three and zero in his interim job. This is the first game of the interim job. I don't know. They could be fired. Up. Florida State could be fired up. Alex Hornibrook, James Blackman could be ready to go tear tear up Boston College. Who knows? It'll be cold though. That's the thing. It's gonna be cold up in Boston. Not it's not cold down in Florida State. Who knows? All right. Here's the game. Number two LSU at number three Alabama. Three. This this is it's, it's at three thirty. Which everyone knows, Alabama LSU should be at nighttime. Whatever, it's it's at three thirty on CBS. It's gotta be at CBS. At Brian Denny, who do you got? Let me, and then give me your honest opinion, though. Yeah, honest opinion. I I like Bama here. I, I really do. Um, they I don't know, man. They always show up in big games like this. Yeah, the, Bama's just not gonna. They're not gonna roll over. It's gonna be a good game. Yeah, I'm taking LSU. I just because with the. Tua may or may not play. I don't even if Tua plays, I still think LSU is able to do it with their defense and especially with the offense. I don't think Alabama has seen an offense like LSU's with the caliber of players LSU has. I think LSU goes in, steal, not doesn't even steal one. I think they, I think I. You know what? Here's my opinion. They they beat them by 13. Okay. They they beat Alabama by 13. Everyone's like, oh crap. Here we go. LSU wins. Number 16, Kansas State at Texas. Texas dropped three now. Three three thirty on ESPN. Uh, Kansas State, Texas. Texas had a lot of hype, you know, beginning of the year. Sam Ellinger, but hasn't really showed up. So, I'll take Kansas State here. Louisville at Miami. Miami coming off a quote unquote rivalry win over Florida State. Not a rivalry win anymore. <laughs> Louisville coming going to Miami. Three thirty. ESPN two. Who you got? I'll take Miami here. Number eighteen. Iowa at number thirteen. Wisconsin. Four o'clock on Fox Sports. Who you got? Gonna be a good game. I think this. What's cool about this kind of game, you know, just too physical, run-heavy, Midwest. It's gonna be. Pro, I mean, it's gonna be a low-scoring game. Oh, I don't for know sure. The, I don't know if the over/under in the whole game will be above forty-five. You oh, know? there's no way. I don't think so. So I think that'll be actually a good game. I like Wisconsin here, but I was always a scary team. Teams like Iowa always scary. You know, they're, they're scary anyway. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who knows? All right, number five, Clemson State at NC State, 7.30 on ABC. Is there any chance NC State comes out, the Wolfpack? Any chance they come out and give Clemson a scare? Just the fact that just the fact that uh, UNC gave Clemson a little one-point Ooh, scare. Really? So I think there's a chance to give a scare. I don't think they're – t- I'm still obviously going to take Clemson, but I think, there's a scare chance. Yeah, I think Clemson's going to roll just because of their – 
they're let's just be honest like they're pissed because the college football mm-hmm. playoffs they're they're like why are we five we should be three we should be two we should be one no I think they come in they absolutely show out why they should be in that top four who knows yeah number fifteen Notre Dame at Duke seven thirty on the ACC network who you got again kind of a weird game I'm gonna call upset alert here I like Duke here seriously quote me now I like Duke you like Sat- Duke Saturday afternoon quote me now I like Duke. All right, well, whatever. Tennessee at Kentucky, 730 on the ESPN SEC Network. This is going to be an interesting game because Tennessee's coming off. I don't don't know who their starting quarterback's going to be. I don't think they know who their starting quarterback's going to (laughs) be. Kentucky comes in with their Wildcat offense and Lynn Bowden Jr. running running at quarterback. Who you got? Kentucky. Straight up? Go Cats, straight up. Iowa State goes into Oklahoma. Oklahoma's ranked number nine, seven o'clock on Fox. Can Iowa State pull off an upset at Oklahoma, or will Jalen Hurts be on, on his revenge tour? Jalen Hurts will absolutely be on his revenge tour, and it will not even be close. Not even be close. Really? Not even be close. All right. Earlier this week, Nevada's Malik Henry was released from the team, which is kind of it's kind of interesting. He had he's had some school issues, some academic issues. They just they, they just released him. They go into San at San Diego State. At a very late time, nine thirty on the West Coast on ESPN two. Can Nevada come and bring a win or no? Ah, uh, it's tough to see uh, Malik Henry kind of because we you know we all saw him on Last Chance U kind of struggling. Then he got a cool opportunity to go to Nevada. He played well for a couple weeks, but it, it's sad to see. I don't I don't like Nevada here actually. So, but I don't know. It's tough to see. Thank you so much for listening to Downfield a Shot episode four. This is a podcast full of hot takes analysis, and we want to hear from you. Make sure you guys are emailing us all day, all day long. Make sure you guys are sending in whatever you want to send in. My name is Chase. That's Matthew. And while I'm going to put the profile links at the end of this podcast. Make sure you guys check those out. Give us a follow. And as always, make sure you guys are liking, following, and subscribing to this podcast. It's now available on Spotify, Podbean, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you so much for listening, and have a good day.